This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. You're listening to Marketing Matters on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Hello and welcome back. I'm Barbara Kahn. I'm a professor of marketing here at the Wharton School. And here with me is my co-host and fellow marketing professor, Americus Reed. I'm still just blown away by this notion of like having, you know, a couple million people like caring about your life. (laughs) Yeah, uh, you know? yeah, she just posts every day. Our last speaker, our last uh, guest yes. was a fashion blogger. Danielle Bernstein. Bernstein? Yeah. Yeah, and, of, yeah. Yeah. Of We Wore What? Yeah. And she was telling us she runs her blog kind of like a reality yep. TV show and she yep. just blogs every single day. And yes. with that, she now has a million followers. Incredible. And she's figured out how to sell her services. Right. To her clients. Right. And yeah. she's leveraged that into a blog. It. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> it, it finally, it landed. My my segue bomb, just like, I just saw Barbara's eye just light up. Like, oh, that's what you're doing. Yes. Okay, do it again, and I'm going to respond yes. better okay. this Okay, we'll time. try that again. This is take two, ladies and germs. Take two. Are we ready? Yes. Okay. And so, Danielle has done a very good job of figuring out how to sell her services to find her own clients. If only we had an expert. Yes. That would help us exactly. do that. Exactly. Exactly. Oh. Wait a what minute. Do you know? What do you know? <laughs> what do we got, Barbara? Our next guest, Doug Fletcher, is such an expert. He's the founder of Fletcher and Company, and he wrote a new book called How Clients Buy. And the point of the book is to help people market their services right. to clients. Hello, Doug. Hello, Barbara and Americas. Hey. It's wonderful to have you. Um, and you are, in fact, the author of How Clients Buy. And why don't you give us a little capsule of what that book's about, and then we'll go back and talk about who you are and how you got to where you are. Yes. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on the program. I'm a huge fan of you guys. I listen to your program every week. And oh, thank you. It makes it all the way here to Bozeman, Montana. Whoa. Awesome. Thank you very much, <laughs> Mr. Fletcher. We appreciate that very much. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so thank you. The uh, So um my co-author, Tom McMakin, and I have just published a book called How Clients Buy with the help of Wiley Publishing. Mm-hmm. It was just released this past spring, and we're very excited about it. And the gist of the book is this. Um, there is a segment of the economy that is growing many times faster than the, than the overall economy, and that, that segment is expert services. And there's no secret that over the last generation or two that that service, the service portion of our economy in in the United States is growing faster than than other segments. Mm -hmm. Um, But what's but what's interesting about this is that all of us in this rapidly growing segment, that is accountants and architects and attorneys and management consultants and financial advisors and, and, and the like, We've all been trained to do the work, and yet we've never been trained how to Mm. market our services. Mm -hmm. And that's a curious problem because we have to be successful at winning new client business, whether we're a a solo professional going out on our own and hung out a shingle, or we want to be a partner at KPMG or McKinsey and so forth. We have to be able to win new client business, and we're never taught how to do it. And so... That's why we wrote the book, and we hope it'll help this problem somewhat. So let's go back to you and how you have the expertise to write this book. Did you learn it by the seat of your pants, or how, how did you learn what you subsequently wrote about? 
Yes, I learned it completely by the seat of my pants mm-hmm. um, <laughs> over over <laughs> um, over the last you know twenty plus years, and and frankly, I'm no different than most you know successful you know uh, um, people in professional services today. We're never taught how to do this, and mm-hmm. so. Yes, I learned this. Um, I uh, a quick, just a, a very quick thumbnail sketch of my of my the arc of my career. I started out as an engineer, um, went to work with General Electric, trained on their leadership development program, went back to business school at um, the University of Virginia's Darden Business School, came out of business school, went into management consulting. From management consulting, went on to start up as a co-founder of my own management consulting firm. And, and then kind of this last phase of my career is, is in education. I recently sold my um, management consulting firm and the firm that I was a part of and, and went into teaching mm-hmm. and, um, and, and wrote this book. But, but the, the truth of the matter is when, when I started North Star Consulting Group about 20 years ago, my co-founders and I, um, we had never really been trained how to go out and win new client business. Mm-hmm. And so you fumble along like, like so many others do. And the re- one of the reasons we wrote this book is, is that I don't know everything, you know, at 52 years old, and I, and I certainly don't have all the answers, um, nor does my co- co-author Tom, but we certainly know some of the answers, and we know a lot more than we knew at mm-hmm. 30. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to speak to our former selves when we mm. were – you know, 25 or 30 or 40 that are just getting started. Like, how do you go about doing this mm-hmm. in a way that's tasteful and ethical and moral and, and makes us feel good about ourselves? So that's, that's okay. So that, so, yeah. so now you got me curious. Yeah. What are, two decades. What? So two decades at North star and really kind of trial by fire, right? Doug understanding, well, this worked, this didn't work, you know, and sort of aggregating those learnings over time so that they could feed into the book. Is that, is that sort of the idea? That's, that's correct. And, and my co-author, um, Tom also has his own, you know, vast experience. But the other thing we did in our book, which frankly was Tom's idea, and it was the best idea that, that we had with regard to the book. And that was, we didn't just, limit the book's content based upon based upon our own experiences Mm. we went out and interviewed over three dozen successful professionals from a wide variety of expert services in fact i mean we we had people like the the um the managing director of mckinsey dominic barton was one of our interviews we had people from you know, senior people in law, um, Mm -hmm. accounting, architecture, and so forth. And so, frankly, that was a brilliant idea that Tom had in that we were able to create a constellation of not just two stars, but of like dozens of stars. Mm -hmm. And while this is not a peer-reviewed, you know, rigorous statistical, you know, um, study that Mm. you might do for for an academic journal, it was certainly better than the point of view of two individuals. Gotcha. And mm-hmm. so oh, absolutely. I, I absolutely. So now you got me really curious. Can you start telling us some of the big takeaways? Yeah, please teach us. Yeah, How do we do yeah. this? Please give us your well, wisdom, Doug. Well, thank you. I uh, it would be hard to it would be hard to teach you guys much. You guys are, <laughs> you guys are awesome, and uh, 
And one of the reasons why I love your program is not only do I learn something, but I have fun. You guys, uh, all of the Wharton radio programs are awesome, but you guys have the most fun. Oh, thank you, sir. <laughs> we appreciate that. <laughs> and, and if and if you if you don't believe me, go back. Uh, anyone that doesn't believe me, go back and listen to the hard, Mike's Hard Lemonade. <laughs> and the Just yes. Uh, yes. Podcast, and you will you will be certain of that. Um, uh, <laughs> let's see, where were we? Okay. Uh, first of all. Um, one of the things that we believe and we write about in the book mm -hmm. is that selling a service, particularly an expert service, um, is very different and much harder than selling a product. Mm -hmm. And yet, if you, if, you, if you buy into that notion, and I'll, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a second, but if you buy into that notion, part of the problem comes from the fact that everything we know about selling comes from selling products. Mm. And so as, 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 as Americans, I mean, you know, America, we are, we're, we're a proud, you know, uh, country based upon capitalism and commerce and, and our culture is just woven with, you know, movies and books from, you know, Glengarry Glenn Ross to <laughs> Death of Salesman to, you know, you name it, yes. you know, the Wolf of Wall Street. Yes. We have all these, we have all throughout our culture. We have all this um, subconscious knowledge about selling. Yes, and yet it's about selling products. Right. And what we believe, and what we have found, is that when you are selling a service, everything you know about selling a product is wrong. Hmm. Wow, that's and a pretty so, strong statement. Wow. Yeah, and and um, or or you know maybe maybe it's a bit you know hyper. Um, hyperbolic, but it's, um, it's much of what we know is wrong. Mm -hmm. So for, let me give an example, and, and I'll just take you guys through this little thought experiment. So when you buy a product, um, think about the last time you bought a cell phone or a tablet or a laptop or something of that nature. You can buy those products based upon tangible things. Um, you can buy it based upon, you know, specifications mm -hmm. and attributes and features and warranties and promotions and all sorts of things. But when you go to buy, you know, your, your, your next iPhone or your mobile phone, you're looking at things like pixels and gigabytes and size and weight and things like that. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so think through this with me. Think about the last time we hired a financial advisor mm. or a web designer or even a personal fitness trainer, mm -hmm. right? Right. So when you, when you think about the consumer buying decision journey for those types of services, it's all intangible, mm -hmm. right? You know, you can't, you can't measure or, or, or weigh these decisions based upon pixels and weight and gigabytes and things. It's all about things like, you know, a person's reputation mm -hmm. and their credibility and their respect and their thought leadership and the relationship you have with that person. And do you trust that person? And so we propose in our book that the buying decision of, of an expert um, service is very different than the consumer's decision right. in mm -hmm. buying a tangible product. And therefore, we almost have to unlearn all of the things we think we know about selling before we can become successful at selling what we do. Very cool. I, I love this idea because we're, we were looking at the book uh, prior to the show, uh, Doug, and th these three R's, I think, is what you talk about in the book, relationships, referral, and reputation. And the fact that these sorts of credence goods 
are really sold on, on the basis of trust and developing something that goes to your point, that goes beyond tangible things that, that you can actually see and objectively, potentially in air quotes, uh, assess. And so you have to, to your point, I think what you're saying, Doug, is you have to sort of come up with a new paradigm. It's not, you know, it, it's not the, the the product world. Coffee is for closers kind of world to go back to Glengarry Glen Ross. Uh, I love that movie, by the way. Uh, fantastic <laughs> yeah, uh, scene awesome in Alec Baldwin. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so, so yeah, so, so, so you're trying to, you're trying to help us just reset in terms of how we think about these things. And, and trust is going to be a building upon trust and becoming a trusted advisor for a person working on that relationship is going to be a big part of your methodology, right? That, that's right. And in fact, um, one of the great things about writing the book um, that I've learned, not that I've really have an ex- exhaustive bibliography, but um, the coolest thing about writing this book is how much you get to learn. Because, mm-hmm. you know, whatever topic you're writing on, you, you know, you go out and you, you, you know, you research it further. Um, credence good. The word credence um, comes from the Latin word credere, which means trust. So when you sell a credence good um, or an expert service, you know, things like accounting, law, architecture, and so forth, um, by nature, you have to trust that individual because you're taking a huge leap of faith in hiring that person. If you want to go out and buy, you know, uh, a sports car, you can go down to the dealership, you can take it for a ride, you can kick the tires, you can look under the hood, and you can drive away, right? Mm-hmm. And and. Um, but when you go to hire, um, you know, a web designer or uh, a patent attorney, you know, you can't kick the tires and, and test drive it the way you can a, a credence good. And so implicitly, you are taking a huge leap of faith and you have to trust that individual. And that's, I think, to your point, at the essence of what is different between the consumer journey and a product versus a service. At least that's that's what we put out there in our book. We're talking to Doug Fletcher. He's the founder of Fletcher and Company, and he's just written a new book called How Clients Buy. And it's really about how do you market a service as opposed to a product. Mm -hmm. And it's really a way of relearning everything. And I think, what Doug, what you just said is probably the most important thing is trust. Mm -hmm. Trust. Listeners, if you want to join this conversation, I would imagine there's tons of people out there that are in the space of trying to sell their professional services to others and build this client base that Doug and Tom talk about in their book. If you're interested in joining this conversation with Barbara, myself, and Doug, please feel free to give us a call at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. We welcome your calls. Uh, but just to jump back in the conversation, Doug. So building this trust is a critical idea. What are some of the other important aspects uh, that you talk about that you and Tom talk about in the book? Before you do that, can I ask you one question? Just, just, and then let you do it. Okay. So um, Danielle talked when when she was building her business. She said one of the most important things she did was network, network, network. Mm -hmm. How important is that? Do you think in your in what you recommend? Mm. It is. It is hugely important, with a huge asterisk Mm. beside it, because the word networking. What we discovered in, in research in our book is that. Every successful rainmaker that we spoke of, that we spoke with, had a, had a an extensive network. Um, the the caveat, Dean, is is twofold. Um, well, first of all, the the 
the term network has a negative connotation to many, right? Mm-hmm. right. It mm-hmm. sounds like you're going to the, you know, yeah, right. the business happy hour and you come with a pocket <laughs> full of business cards. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it, and it just gives so many of us the hives, right? Like, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. we just like, oh my God, we get sweaty palms and just like this. Okay, so so first of all, when these rainmakers built their networks, that's not always what they're talking about, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Um, so, so first of all, one of the things we learned is that you do need an extensive network. And when I say extensive, it may range from anywhere from 100 to 500 individuals that are in your uh, are in your you know your, your universe, right? Of people that you have known, met, trust, and so forth. Um, how you build that network can be very, very different and should be tailored to your own skill set. So, for example. Um, Dominic Barton, the um, managing director at McKinsey, shared this lovely story with us about um, how he started his network. And, and you know, he had just landed in, in um, South Korea, and he went around and introduced himself and met all of the bankers in the clubby little world of, of South Korean finance, mm-hmm. right? And he just mm-hmm. went around and introduced himself. Some people don't have – that just – just, Makes them nervous, right? They don't want to go around cold calling people, right? Mm-hmm. Some people write, and 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 Barton talked about um, Dominic talked about you know um, one of his mentors at McKinsey was a great writer, and he knew things about where industries were heading, and he wrote these these you know amazing pieces in in prominent journals, and then people contacted him from that writing. Some people are great at speaking. Some people are great at at going to conferences. So the point being is that there's no one way to build your network. It's very important. And it's not how many people you're connected to on LinkedIn. It's how many people will take your call, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a very, very big difference. And a lot of these people made this distinction. It's not how many people are in your LinkedIn or Facebook. It's how many people can you call up and ask for a favor? Mm. That's that's about zero. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Barbara, but I think you. I think it, Doug's making a very interesting point that actually dovetails nicely with the conversation we were having with Danielle, and that is engagement. Really, it's it's sort of you know you're, these people aren't you know they're not you're not influenced with them, but in a certain way you are. You're like co-influencers with each other, yeah. and like Doug's point is like, are you really engaged with these people? Is sort of it's sort of the idea, right, Doug? It's yeah, it, you know, the, the, um, I think the big takeaway for me and the big aha, because so many of us are confused by social media and network, and it's like, uh, what am I doing? How does this work? You know, um, you know, a lot of us kind of have a queasy feeling in our stomach about this, but, the, but it really comes down to the quality of the relationships more than the quantity. So we all have hundreds of people on, you know, that we're connected to on LinkedIn that we've never met. We don't know. We don't have any mutual trust or respect. That's not what the people we spoke with are talking about. It's that, hey, I know Barbara. I know Americas. I am going to New York. They know a person there. Can I call them up and ask for an introduction? That's what they're talking about. And what's also fascinating about that, Doug, is that that actually gives you a sense of, you know, the right approaches to actually building that network, right? So I think also what I'm hearing you say is that you want to kind of focus on on your own strengths in terms of your communication skills that you have that are, that, are, that are your strengths and really rely on those to create that kind of engagement as you build your network. Yes, and, and I think that because we're never taught how to do this, 
the common mistake so many people make, I made this, most people make it, when we're 30 years old or 25 or 35 or whatever the age is when you're kind of starting to become responsible for, for winning new client business, the first mistake we make is we try to copy other people because we've never been taught how to do it. So we look around us, we find, mm. you know, someone that looks like they know what they're doing and mm -hmm. we try to start mimicking them. Mm -hmm. And what we, what we learned is that that mm -hmm. doesn't work in the end because what works for America's may yep. not work for Barbara. Exactly. And that might not work for Doug. Yep. So, and that, and that was a huge aha and a huge relief for me in doing, in doing the research for this book because you know, I had my own biases and I had my own preconceived notions about what worked based upon my 25 years of experience. But then when you collected the wisdom of 30, you know, plus people, now you realize that all these successful people did it differently, mm -hmm. but they still built that network, but they did it in a way that felt good to them. Interesting. I think that what I, what that resonates to me, Doug, as well as this idea of, because we, we face this as professors a lot, and you probably uh, know this as well in terms of your um, you know, pivoting to an educational space as well and teaching others. And that is when I first showed up here at the Wharton School 18 years ago, I watched all the great teachers teach because I wanted to see, like, wh wh what does Barbara do thing, and yeah. all of this. And, can't and copy. You can't, you, it's your point, though. You cannot copy what other people are doing. You have to find your own voice that allows you to kind of develop that engagement or network with you know, these But that goes folks. to, like, so what do you talk about in the book? You know, yeah. there must be some – because now you've looked across several – different successful people and everybody has their own idiosyncratic authentic style but you must have reached some yeah, generalizations the yeah, yeah the commonalities that so, are the key takeaways yeah the key takeaways from all of those interviews yeah so uh okay so um at the end of the day um yes there are commonalities and we have and we didn't intend on writing this chapter but we ended up writing the chapter in it's one of my favorite chapters in the book where we kind of do the best hits the greatest tips of what we heard, kind of the common themes of what we heard yeah. from, from the Rainmakers. Um, and, and there's seven or eight uh, of them in there. But, you know, there's, there's a number of, of um, I think, of good ones. One, one of them is what we just spoke of, to be true to yourself, right? Um, to not copy someone else, to, you know, to, um, to do it your way. And um, and that's hard. I'm mean, going back to, to your example, America. And then I'll, I'll segue into you know answering your question. When you're when you're starting out as a professor at 30 or 35, it's you know you don't know that you shouldn't be copying those around you because you're not 50, right? Mm -hmm. And so you know what I wish I had heard when I was you know when I was much younger is I wish someone you know my age had come along and said, listen, it's okay. You don't have to copy me. Just go be yourself um, and, and, and try hard and do your best and try to be the best at what you do, and it'll be okay, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, let's see. What are some other things? Okay, so um, if you boil down a lot of what we learned um, about how customers choose, how, they, how th their customer journey when they, you know, when they look to hire someone, um, if you boil it down, and our book's more, I guess, granular than this, but if you boil it down, it comes down to three things. They hire experts that they know, respect, and trust, or who come referred from someone they know, respect, and trust. So uh, respect has to do with professional credibility. 
Um, it, it's not about your character. It's about your professional, um, your capability to do the work. Are you truly an expert at XYZ, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the things we learned from the Rainmakers, and this, this is hard for, I think, young professionals because it's, it's kind of counterintuitive. We have to focus in order to be perceived as an expert. Mm -hmm. And when you're young, you, that just <laughs> seems so limiting. I don't want to focus what I'm doing. I want to be, oh, I want to do this. I want to do this. And by nature, if you're a jack of all trades, you cannot be perceived as an expert. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the, one of the people we spoke with, we interviewed for a book had this, that had this uh, phrase that we loved and we've adopted it and we've become disciples of it. Um, and and um, it's attributed to Jackie Kruger, who is the director of marketing of um, Clifton Larson Allen in Minneapolis, um, the financial services firm. And she tells her practice leaders to shrink the pond. And mm -hmm. when you're and I love Focus. that and, and, and I love that metaphor. It's like, listen, if you're not a big fish in your pond then shrink the pond mm. and if you're still not a big fish, then shrink it again. And the metaphor, it was so effective because if you shrink that pond enough, eventually you will become the largest fish in that pond and you will be perceived as an expert. Mm -hmm. Now, you can shrink that pond, that metaphor, geographically. You can shrink it uh, you know, by functional expertise. You can shrink it by mm. – um, uh, gosh, I lost my train of thought um, – but the, uh, by industry group. Industry, you know, mm -hmm. who you, who you, so – so there's different ways you can use that to shrink the pond. But I thought that was a really nice lesson that, um, you know, that we took away from some of the leaders. And, and I wish I'd have learned it um, much earlier in my career. Yeah, that's really interesting. So it's another way to say focus, find your niche, find the place where you really add value to. You also have to make sure that once you shrink that pond, that it's valuable enough. But I think what's also interesting that Barbara points out as well, and it's also, I think, presents a bit of tension in your point, Doug, is that when, you, when you're young, you want to be eclectic. You want to be doing a lot of things. Uh, so you, you got to teach yourself how to have that maturity, that discipline to find that focus, to shrink the pond for sure. But at the same time, it's like, isn't there's a correlation with age too. Like, you know, I've been doing this a long time, so I am an expert. You know what I mean? So in some senses, it's like, it's harder. There's a tension there because like you're young and you do want to be eclectic, but you have to focus, but focusing is hard, but being young and just, it, just the fact of being young and perceived as an expert is also hard. I mean, we're talking to Danielle, and she's 26, and she's a fashion blogger with 2 million people. It's like, well, she's an expert. It's like, wow, wait a minute. you know. So there, there's a bit of a tension there that I think has to be resolved to some extent. What are your thoughts on that? The, the, uh, yes, yes. The, what you're saying is true. I mean, you know, having a little gray hair never hurts, right? <laughs> you know, when, when, you're, when you're talking, um, you know, when you're talking to clients. Um, that being said... Things are always changing. And, and let me just give an example. Okay, so we just have a new tax code that came out this past year. It threw the accounting world upside down. You know, they had to go out and figure out what they were supposed to be, um, mm. you know, telling the clients. So there's always change that you can become an expert at something new mm. that either that, – that there's a level playing field because nobody knows this, or there could be things that are just – aligned better with your skill set like the millennial generation and and um and being digital natives mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. you know i will never be as good at digital stuff even though i use it every day as my kids mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. and as my students 
I mean, I learn stuff every day. I walk in the classroom. I learn, you know, about new things from my, my students. So there are things you can be an expert on, I think, where gray hair doesn't matter. Mm. But at some point, gray hair becomes your friend. Mm -hmm. If you are, you know, if you've been doing this for 20 years, it's easy to share stories that build credibility. Because at the end of the day, we're just trying to build credibility, credibility and trust. Well, Doug Fletcher, thank you so much for coming on the show with us tonight. Um, we really enjoyed your insights and your gray hair. <laughs> 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 and I hope you come back sometime, too. You can find more about Doug at FletcherAndCompany.net. And, and yes. when we come back, we have our last guest, Marissa Tarleton, who's the CMO of Retail Me Not. And she will give us the inside scoop on the fast-approaching Prime Day. That and your calls right after this on Marketing Matters, Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM 111. A, B, C. A, always B, B, C, closing. Always Always be closing. closing. (laughs) Always be closing. Well done, sir. (laughs) For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 